Welcome to the Movie Planet. This week we talk about 2014's Whiplash. With Joe. I'm upset. Say it so the whole band can hear you. I'm upset. Louder! And JC. I'm upset. Louder! And Joel. I'm upset! I'm your host, Joe, and with me are the Andrew Neiman and Sean Casey to my Terrence Fletcher, Joel and JC. I figured that was a really good way to put it out there. I was going to say. I do like, yell at everybody, I think. Welcome back to the show, gentlemen. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. It's good to be here. Joel is actually nominated Whiplash here, so he's going to be presenting all of this. So, Joel, I'm going to give you the trailer first, then you can just take it away, buddy. Not, not quite my tempo. Here we go. Five, six, and. Downbeat on 18. Okay, here we go. Five, six, and. Bar 17, the and of four. Got it? Five, six, seven. Not quite my tempo. It's all good. No worries. Here we go. Five, six, seven. You're rushing. Here we go. Uh, ready? Okay. Six and dragging just a hair. Wait for my cue. Five, six, seven. Rushing. Five, six, and dragging. suppose I just hurled a chair at your head, Neiman. I, I don't know. Sure you do. The tempo? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. Start counting. Five, six, seven. In four, damn it! Look at me! One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? I don't know. Count again. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Rushing or dragging? Rushing. So you do know the difference. If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will fuck you like a pig. This week, we're going to be discussing the 2014 movie Whiplash, directed by Damien Chazelle, starring Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, Paul Reiser, and Melissa Benoit? Benoist. 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 She's Supergirl. It's Benoit. It's Benoist, actually. Melissa Benoist? Benoist. I'm pretty sure it's Benoit. I'm pretty sure. Of all the things you're going to argue with me about, pronunciation is it, really? 
It's Benoist. She's even said it in interviews. Here we go. Ben-o-ist. We got the fact checkers here. No, Benoist. I liked her. She's Supergirl. I know. It made me want to watch Supergirl, but I like Supergirl. It didn't make me want to I pay for too. cable. Yeah. Um, Joe, do you want to tell us a little bit of trivia? Yeah, sure. This movie was made for $3.3 million and raked in $49 million in limited release and eventually was released to 500 theaters over the course of 24 weeks. The film was shot in 19 days. What? Just That's 19 cr- days. It's believable, though. Uh, Miles Teller, who has played the drums since he was 15, received blisters on his hands due to the vigorous, unconventional style of jazz drumming. Some of his blood was on the drumsticks and the drum set as a result. Golly. That's bleeding for a part. I'm glad that it's legit. Yeah. Yeah, really. I've wondered that. He apparently was involved in 40% of the drumming scenes. Uh, See, that, and that was a question I wanted to know. Yeah. Does he he do his own drumming? The close-ups of the sticks and stuff, that was not him, but because they brought in a professional guy for those. But still... Picking up some of the cadences that he does in this yeah. and having yeah. to fake it or, or play it. He wasn't even faking it. Having to play it, his actual drumming is on the soundtrack. Wow. So, I didn't realize that. Yeah. It's a, it's a good mix of both. Maybe he was the one dragging and rushing. <laughs> <laughs> we, can't all do, we all can't be 100% like Nick Cannon. This film is one of the lowest grossing movies to ever to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture, huh. which I had no idea. I didn't either. And in real life, Joe Jones never threw a symbol. He dropped it on the floor, gonging him off. The equivalent of the modern buzzing someone off. So, there you go. Yeah, was never thrown. Still a really good anecdote in the story. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's my trivia. What do you got, Joel? All right, uh, so what's your history with the movie? Do you all remember the first time you saw it, Joe? Okay, well, yeah, I saw this after a friend of ours had raved about it, Billy Kootenkuller, uh, who's hanging out down in the uh, Caribbean now. Uh, Billy was our music director at our middle school. Anyway, he came into school and told me about it, and I went to go see it a few days later in the theater because, you know, I was like, okay, let me see what this guy's all raving about here. And I immediately loved this movie, and I couldn't wait for it to hit Blu-ray. And when it did, I pre-ordered it on Amazon so I could get it on day one. I had to have this. Uh, awesome. It's it, For me, it it hit everything that I, I had wished people could see about competitive music programs. So there you go. JC? Uh, Wednesday. <laughs> so so yeah, I remember because it was Wednesday. It was, Wednesday. <laughs> it, was it a cold Wednesday? Was it a hot Wednesday? <laughs> what was? Yeah, it was the day after the big storm because the tornadoes and everything came through Tuesday. Ah, uh, yes. So yes. it was. It was hot and cold. It was, hot, it was hot and cold. Yes. Um, for me, I got my first full time teaching job in February of 2015. Yeah, and so in my first days were snow days. I was going to say I remember the story, which, which really worked out well. Which is a longer story, and it's not movie related, but it's just a cool story. And so I had a buddy that at the same time had just gotten an internship with Wick Godfrey in L.A., who's also a Johnson City guy. Um, direct, he was the producer of Twilight and among others, mm-hmm. uh, Fault in Our Stars. And so I, we were texting back and forth, me and my friend, and he was sending me all these movie recommendations because it was around Oscar time. One of the one night on when I didn't knew I didn't have school the next day, I decided I want to start meal prepping at 11 p.m. and started <laughs> the movie. And so when I got up to check on the food in the middle of the movie, like my heart was pounding, and I had back sweat. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, from just sitting so close to the TV and watching it. It's intense. Yeah. Um. So let's go ahead and start with the synopsis of the movie. All right. The film opens with Andrew Neiman. Actually, I didn't realize this until the, this time. When he introduces himself to Fletcher, J.K. Simmons, he says, Hi, I'm Neiman. He says, Andrew Neiman. Oh, and does the he? rest of the movie, Simmons calls him Neiman. Oh, I didn't even notice that. 
I didn't either. Oh, God. I, I didn't realize until the last time. So I wanted, I need to go back and just like double check that. But I wonder if that's just another like mind game that he plays with him. He says, I'm. Oh, yeah. He says, I'm Andrew Neiman. He's like, oh, Neiman. But then the rest of the movie calls him Neiman, Neiman, Neiman. Yeah. Um, so the film opens with Neiman, we'll call him that, mm-hmm. playing the drums at Schaefer Conservatory of Music, the music school in the United States. And he's just an alternate drummer in some school band. Andrew abruptly, abruptly stops playing the drums when the band conductor, Terrence Fletcher, played by J.K. Simmons, appears at the door in front of him and asking Andrew some personal information. Uh, when Fletcher asks Andrew why he stopped playing, Andrew picks up the sticks and starts playing drums again. When he finishes playing, Terrence says, he did not mean to res- <laughs> He's like, He's like, I asked you why you stopped playing, and your response was to start... <laughs> Drumming like a monkey. Like a wind-up monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so then he's when he uh, Teller's kind of speechless, he just asks him to show him his rudiments, playing the drums again. While Andrew's playing the drums, Flitcher slams the door and comes back to retrieve his forgotten jacket. Forgot my jacket. I love this scene. Well, no, he was okay with the rudiments. He left when he tried to do him, have him do double time. Oh, he was, yeah, well, right. he was yeah. okay with the do double time swing. He's a like, do double time double swing. Time swing yeah. And that's when he left the door. Yeah. And he looks up. That's important for later. Oh, yeah. Um, the next day, Andrew enters one class aside from Fletcher. And there he meets a German named Ryan Connolly, who I hate. Shortly. His name's pers- not Boyd Holbrook. <laughs> I'd, I don't know. what It's his, it's his what, face. What? It's the way he, in fact, he wears tank tops. So, so he's in Nouveau Band. And Fletcher leads studio band, so that may help right. you in differentiating. So, and so to kind of paint the picture, there's a JV t- and varsity, basically. Right. And so Fletcher J.K. Simmons has this like mahogany room, like wooden floors, nice chairs, dim lights. And so right now, um, Neiman is playing in this band by this very like monotone director. These like, like they don't. They don't get in tune before. He's like, all right, guys, open your books. Uh, Billy's in. Yeah. One, two, <laughs> three. And they just start playing, which even I've been in band. And, you know, like, no, you test each section and make sure everyone's on pitch. Then you begin. And so it's very just lackadaisical. You know, everyone's just happy to be in band trying to get to the studio band. Well, I think what it shows is that you've got a, one conductor. Well, what we've seen so far, we have this conductor here who appears to be what everybody considers what they would think a music conductor would look like at a, at a school. A little bit more relaxed. Hey, let's have some fun with this. It's jazz band. And the kids clearly, there's a relaxation amongst them. But when our boy Terrence walks in, everybody's sphincters just like clench up. Mm-hmm. And even the director himself kind of stands up and just kind of looks away. And you get the feeling like something's about to go down right now. So, yeah. Yeah, he definitely walks around with an authority. Um, and he's ripped too. So and so you see his Fletcher's silhouette looking at the door. And after the class, uh, Neiman walks around and finds peeks into one of the classrooms where Fletcher is directing. And Fletcher turns around and kind of sees him peeking through the door. Later, back at the studio band, Andrew is playing drums as a core drummer. Suddenly, Fletcher breaks into the room, breaks inside, and Andrew becomes horrified of him. Fletcher conducts every uh, saxophonist and bassist one by one, and finally the drums. After that, Fletcher tells Andrew to come, and he's told to come to his room tomorrow at 6 a.m. Doesn't he say, he's walking around, he's like, okay, let's see about you. How about you? You're first, Jerry. Let's see if you got this just because you're pretty. <laughs> yep, yep, that was it. <laughs> um, Andrew meets Nicole, Melissa Benoist, 
The girl working at the cinema and arrives and invites her to go out with him. The next day, Andrew realizes that he's late for class, and Andrew struggles to rush quickly to the school, only to arrive to an empty classroom. Andrew knows that the class notices that the class actually starts at 9 a.m. He waits three hours before class, and at exactly 9 o'clock a.m., Fletcher arrives and begins <laughs> conducting the song called Whiplash. What? I was looking at the time right there. It's like 9 o'clock, and oh. the seconds are listed, oh, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. 9 o'clock. I mean, it's right at, right at when the clock hits 9 o'clock. Um, during the band practice, Fletcher confronts, then suddenly yells at a saxophonist named Metz, playing out of tune and angrily yells him to get out of the studio band. He escalates Fletcher's abusiveness and wrath. Fletcher has the class take a break. Fletcher and Andrew have a conversation about his life and family outside while they're taking the break. Okay, so we get our first introduction to Fletcher as a conductor. And he starts off all warm and fuzzy. Hey, we got a squeaker here. You know, new guy. They start playing, and he just rips into this Mets guy. And the worst part about this ripping, it's not even him. No, it ends up being the second trombonist, not Mets. Yeah. But the fact that they didn't, know, they didn't know it was worse. Was worse. Which, as a musician, and if you're at that level of the studio, you would think that you would know if you were out of tune or not, especially to his standards. Mm-hmm. But everybody in there is kind of on pins and needles already. I mean, as soon as he walks in, they're all straight up like a military. Yeah, you can, you can see how anxious he's made this class and how uneasy they are and how afraid every single person is to make a mistake. And somebody told me once, they were like, oh, why would they want to be there? Because that's the best. Yeah. That's what the best looks like. Mets, look at me. What are you looking at the ground for? It's not a fucking Mars bar. I'm up here. Where are you? Are you or are you not out of tune? Oh, God. It's hard to watch. It um, is. Um, but then we, so then he, he has the break. Yes. And he talks with, he's like, hey, come here. Let's, hey, what, what does your mom do? What does your dad do? All day. Gets the personal information. You're like, oh, they're bonding. And so, and at that point, you also find out that Neiman, he, his mom left when he was little. Yep. His dad is a, is a writer, but he's also a professor, a high school, high school teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a teacher. Teaches and, writing. Right. Um, and so then, they, you know, he, he does what, this reminds me so much of any, recruiting trip I was ever on, any coach I've ever been around of, you have that great public face, but when you're in their dojo, it is theirs. It is their rules. And so, I mean, he gets to know him. He, you know, has that personal aspect. And so after the break, the class resumes, and Fletcher loses his patience when ne- with Neiman's drum tempo. Oh. Fletcher ends up throwing. Not my tempo. He's like, and so he's patient. He's like, all right, we'll try it again. And he's like, not, not quite my tempo. And so after a few of those, he throws a chair at Andrew right over his head. And Fletcher slaps Andrew <laughs> every four and 12 counts making, okay. He's, he, says, he says, are you, <laughs> he's like, you're not on my time. Are you rushing or are you dragging? And Andrew, he's obviously terrified. He's like, I don't know. He's like, let's try again. And he's, he's one, two, three, four. And he slaps him on every count, every fourth count. And he's so he can like feel, or, or, am I slapping you being rushed or am I slapping you, am I dragging? And so <laughs> Fletcher slaps Andrew every four and 12 counts and makes. And he will not stop questioning until Andrew answers whether he is dragging or rushing. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew answers rushing and Fletcher says, so you do know the difference. And Andrew starts getting upset and he says, I want, he's like, are you upset? And he's like, then say it. And Andrew says, I'm upset. He's like, louder. I'm upset. 
And so then Fletcher mocks Andrew about his parents being separated. Once again, Fletcher tells Andrew that he's upset louder. Thus, Andrew is being embarrassed and insulted. So he uses the personal information against him. Yeah. But there's also something here that I, I look at. It, it, Andrew is very arrogant also. He has a pretty high opinion of himself as a drummer. He's that guy. He, I mean, and I know musicians that are like this, that, that, that just think that they're God's gift and wonder why people don't see them the same way. And first he gets this little you know, pat on the back from this Fletcher guy going, hey, you, you know, you're, you're here for a reason, right? You believe you're here for a reason. Of course he's going, you're right, I am. I'm here for a reason because you chose me and I'm awesome. And what does he do? He humiliates and humbles him immediately. Now he can start to form him in his own image. And that's the breakdown that you see right there. It's, I'm going to break down what you think you are and turn you into what I think you can be. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, we'll, and we, we'll, we can get to the diagnostics. JC, do you want to add later. anything to this? You're awfully quiet over there, buddy. I'm listening. I have my paragraph later. Yeah. Joe, I'm going to have you read this because my favorite parts are left out and it's starting to frustrate me. And I'm going to keep adding small things in. <laughs> so you read the paragraphs and I'll add input. At his home, Andrew keeps practicing drums, making his hand bleed in the process. After the band performs at the competition, Tanner, core drummer, gives his music sheets to Andrew. Andrew neglects the music sheets to buy a can of Coke at the automated vending machine, which was a dumb move. A&W root beer. It's a very classic, like, uh, like, instru- like side-building yeah. vending machine thing to get. Very college freshman year. As Tanner is looking for his music sheets, they mysteriously disappear. Tanner, I think Fletcher took them. Tan- Tanner can't play without the sheets. Andrew steps in, stating he knows the song Whiplash by heart, which we see him just constantly practicing. As soon as he's uh, embarrassed by Fletcher, he goes home and he obsesses over it. Uh, Andrew plays well and earns Tanner's spot. Thus, Andrew is the new core drummer, and Andrew's family is having dinner at his home one night, and he begins to talk about his experience in Schaefer. And the home dinner is... uh, I, I, for some reason, I can relate to this dinner. Oh, I very much related to this dinner. Where you have an accomplishment that isn't seen as a cultural great accomplishment. Yep. And you know the the, the star of the football team in Division Three, you know, walks in and he's, I'm at the top spot at the best music observatory, and all I can say is, "Well, how's your drumming?" And it means more to you than that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you, so you see this dynamic of his whole life, he's had to want this thing for himself. No one's really supported him in that. Because mm-hmm. even at the beginning, when he's in the movie theater with his dad, and he says, I played in front of uh, Fletcher, Fletcher today, he says, oh, that's good. He's like, how did it go? And he says, you know, I mean, it went. He said, well, you know, there are other options. So you know that, like, he doesn't have any support from the people who are closest to him. Yeah. So he does everything himself because that's all he knows. And yeah. when, and you have to imagine what his life was like before this movie, which is he was probably the best at wherever he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you have that, it's kind of like when you see a football player who's the top spot everywhere, and then he gets to like a college or a pro team, and now he's like third string, and they don't know why. Uh, he's got that obsession in him. It's drive that, you know, eventually, as we see in this movie, alienates him from everybody. But... His drive is more important to him. His accomplishments that he wants to get are more important to him. Um, and he has no idea that the abuse he's going through is going to yield the results that he actually wants. Um, so as we go, 
At the studio band, the band is practicing the new song called Caravan, which needs an extra timestamp measure of 330 beats per minute, which fucking flies. <laughs> Fletcher dismisses the band except Andrew when Fletcher discusses him about that note. Shortly, Ryan Connolly, whom Andrew met from the other class, arrives. Andrew plays the drums to test the ability of the tempo, but his tempo fails while Ryan plays well. And why? Because Fletcher gave Ryan the music ahead of time. Dick move. Wonder if there's a reason. Therefore, Fletcher takes Ryan as the new core drummer, but Andrew does not agree to this. Jealous, Andrew will be the core drummer if he earns the part. Uh, thoughts on this whole situation? He's forcing failure so that he knows what it feels like so that later he'll do everything he can so he doesn't experience it again. Because when you're that good, you don't experience failure. So he's almost like forcing it on him. JC, do you agree with this type of tactic? Uh, no. No. I don't agree with the tactic. I agree with what Joel said for why it works. Yeah. I agree with that. I don't agree with the tactic. No. Yeah. Uh, it's very old, 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 old school. Uh, There's, think, this would fly today. A, I think that's a bullshit answer. I don't think it's old school. I think this is just the way he does it. Well, having, okay. Andrew breaks up with Nicole saying his ambition will only hinder their relationship. He's seeing his destiny as something greater than, it, you know, for himself. And so he's like, I, I have to basically do the superhero thing, which is cut all ties so I can be the greatest ever. Yeah. Uh, which. That was a hard scene to watch, but it was an accurate scene. It was an there. honest scene. Or, yeah, honest scene. Yeah. yeah. At his home, we see Andrew practicing drums harder with a pitcher of water with ice beside him in case he bleeds. As he fails to reach the required tempo, Andrew punches the drum in frustration, and his hand is bleeding, dripping into the pitcher of ice. This is painful to watch. Like, I was in there, my hands are like, I tap sometimes as I'm watching this movie, and I'm not tapping with the beat. I'm just wanting to play along like I pretend I am, pretending I am. And there are times when he was doing this, and I was like, God, I don't, my hands hurt just looking at this. My brother was a drummer, and he, we had a drum set in the basement. And so every now and then I would go down there just to see if I could do it. And within like 10, 15 minutes, my hands would be like, you know, just calloused up and everything. Like, oh, this sucks. How does he do this shit? Yeah. Um, yeah. At the studio band, Fletcher tearfully reveals in class that a talented former student of his, Sean Casey, has died in a car accident. The band rehearses Caravan, but Carl Tanner struggles with the tempo. Fletcher auditions Andrew, Ryan, and Tanner for hours while the class waits outside, but the three fail to reach the required tempo. Yeah, and it's not just like he held a rehearsal. They were in the middle of their ensemble practice, and he got so mad, he sent them, he sent everyone else outside and pretty verbally abusively made them go through this for several hours while everyone else in the ensemble was waiting outside the door. And then when they finally figured it out, he invited them back in, and they just resumed their rehearsal where they were. It's torture. This is this is straight up torture now. Uh, which I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie. It's at this point in the movie where I was like, J.K. Simmons should win the supporting actor award. He earned it for this. He I've never seen a man scarier in in any movie. I think that's not a horror film, like a realistically scary. Yeah. Um, after one okay. <laughs> In the let's see, when it's now Andrew's turn, Fletcher kicks the chair, then throws the drum away in wrath, and even tells Andrew to increase the tempo. In this process, Andrew's left hand is bleeding, and the blood drips onto the drum set. 
After one minute of playing, Fletcher finally tells Andrew that he's earned the part. Bring everybody in now. Let's actually rehearse. And they're all like sweating. <laughs> and like, Which I'm convinced that Miles Teller spent 60% of this movie just sweating. Yeah. Everyone in this scene, like, just because, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of great things in this movie that, and the small fun things are left out in just summary, but they are drenched head to toe in sweat yeah. during this rehearsal. And it is just, it's loud. Be like, I, my first review of this that I read was before I ever saw it, it was like, this is verbal homicide. Like, mm-hmm. that is what happens in this movie. And that is what it was. You can just see the mind games and just the anguish that these kids are going through. Because they're not going to leave the ensemble. They finally made it. They're yeah. not going to leave. So he can treat them however they want as in the theory of whatever's going on. Yeah. Because he knows they're not going to quit. Well, the other, the other thing to remember here is that there really is no other place to go from the studio band. And so if you're at the best spot, you just try to stay at the best spot. And they ask him at the dinner table during the family, well, what can you do with this after this? Well, it doesn't matter. I'm at Schaefer. I'm, I'm, I'm in the best spot right now. It's like that's, that's just the pinnacle for him. Yep. Um, Andrew is ex- okay. On the way to a jazz competition, the bus that Andrew rode breaks down. So Andrew rents a car, but he arrives late for rehearsal without his drumsticks. He drives back to the car rental office and retrieves the drumsticks, but as he speeds back, his car is hit by a truck. Now it should be noted that when he shows up without his drum set, doesn't or drumsticks doesn't uh, Fletcher tell him? Then this guy's starting in front of you. Yep, you lost yeah. the part. Yeah. And he's spent. He's already had it taken away once, and I think he knows if it's taken away from again, I may never ever get it back. Uh, so he, they got the jazz music playing on top of this whole scene, which is pretty. It's moving. It's intense, and you feel that intensity as he's running back to the car rental spot, running, getting the car, yelling on the phone, and when the car blinds sides him, you just feel like time has just stopped. It's over. Yeah, but it's not over. And, and there is like a back and forth yelling between Fletcher and Neiman during that scene when he says, he's like, no, he says, Fat, this is my spot. He's like, like, what did you just say to me? And there's like this, like for the first time, someone's standing up to Fletcher mm-hmm. and freaking, what's his name? The guy I don't like with the worst tanks out, Ryan. He's like, hey, man, calm down. And Neiman turns around. He's like, hey, fuck off, Junie, Johnny Utah. Turn my pages, <laughs> bitch. Utah. And it's like, he is at this point where he's like, you, where, Neiman knows he is better, and now he has kind of lost his like boundary or frame of self-control of holding his words back. And he's like, no, you are my page turner. Mm-hmm. You, This is not your spot. And then Fletcher says, you have until 4 o'clock to get back. And it's, I mean, like 6 till. And so that's when he goes back out of the uh, auditorium, gets back in his car, drives to the rental place, grabs his sticks, and is speeding back. And he, he's talking to one of the guys in the ensemble. He's like, where are you? He's like, like I'm on my way back. Don't effing move to whatever. Yeah. And that's when the car, everything gets quiet and gets T-boned. Yeah, he gets nailed with this thing. He crawls from the wreckage. And despite his injury and bloodied face, he struggles to make it make into the jazz competition. And with his left hand injured, he's unable to play. And he drops the drumstick to the floor. After that, Fletcher says, Andrew, you are done. Andrew attacks Fletcher in front of the audience. And apparently, J.K. Simmons broke two ribs in that scene. Oh, really? that sucks. Yeah, he broke two ribs in that scene when he got tackled. But he still went the next day and was like, okay, let's keep working. 
guy was wow. again. The guy was ripped in this. Like, I remember, yeah. remember the picture we saw of yeah. him training for that thing. I'm like, it makes sense because I never saw him that way until this movie. Yeah, and I was like, I want to fill a T-shirt like that when I'm his age. Yeah, really. <laughs> Andrew was expelled from Schaefer and contacted by a lawyer representing the parents of Sean Casey. The lawyer explains that Sean actually hanged himself, having suffered anxiety and depression after joining Fletcher's class. Sean's parents want to prevent Fletcher from teaching, and Andrew agrees to testify, and Fletcher is fired from Schaefer. Um, this is like a revenge thing for him at this point. Oh, it's point. purely oh, revenge. Um, but you also get the feeling that when Fletcher tells him you are done, he almost just gives up on it and says, okay, if he says I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. Because the next couple of scenes that you see, he's not drumming anymore. He's kind of living his life. He's trying to get Getting it all pizza. back together. Yeah. Um, and Andrew happens to be going to a club and he sees Fletcher and the jazz performers. As the song, he's playing the caravan. He's playing a slow version of caravan on the piano. Uh, which it actually sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the song ends, Andrew's, Andrew's walking out of the club, but Fletcher calls him, and they decide to have a little chat. And he sits down, and Fletcher explains that he pushes his students beyond the expected so they might achieve greatness. And he tells a story about, you know, Charlie Parker would have never turned into Charlie Parker had Joe Jones not thrown a symbol at his head. Uh and whether these stories are true or not, they're meant to show the effect of extreme measures yield the best results, according to him. And a lot of it is, it's kind of like the diamond effect. The more pressure you put around a piece of coal, the better the diamond. Um, so Fletcher explains this. He invites Andrew to perform at the JVC Festival concert with his band. And Andrew agrees and invites Nicole, learning that she has a new relationship. Which I like this. I like that... His choices doesn't mean time stops for everybody else. Nope. If she had said, okay, sure, I'd been like, oh, no, no, no. Time should move on for everybody. And you lost your spot. You lost your chance there. Uh, On stage, he gets there. Fletcher's all excited to have him. Fletcher then tells Andrew he knows he testified against him. And in revenge, leads the band in a new piece Andrew was not given sheet music for. Humiliating him in front of the... And this this crowd is supposed to have all of the scouts for music. Like in New York City, if you're gonna sign on with a theater with anybody, the people are in the audience right now. So Fletcher is trying to humiliate him and try to keep him from ever getting a job in the city. This would be like if you are an NFL fan, your coach, you pissing off the coach, and the coach saying, Hey, come on up to the combine, I will have your shoes ready. And you show up and there are no shoes. Shit. Um, so Andrew, after embarrassing himself, leaves the stage humiliated, gets a hug from Paul Reiser, his dad, but something inside of him still pushes him to get back on that stage and begin playing caravan, interrupting Fletcher as he's addressing the audience, which the brass balls on this kid to do this in front of everybody. The rest of the band joins him and Fletcher follows suit. Andrew ends the performance with an extravagant drum solo. And Fletcher, who is at first very angry, gives a nod of approval to Andrew as he finishes. And even, like, there's a very honest moment in that where Andrew's playing, and he walks up, he's like, and he doesn't call him Neiman. He's like, Andrew, because he doesn't call him Andrew in the whole movie. He calls him Neiman to call him the wrong name. Andrew, what the hell are you doing? But he's very honest. It's not a power thing. He's just, you see him become like a human for a second. He's like, like, Andrew, what are you doing, man? Mm -hmm. 
And he calls him like, it's almost like they're on a level now. And he says, and he's like, what are you doing, man? And Andrew looks back at me and says, I'll cue you in. Yeah. And so they find, like, they meet on this level where they're kind of like on the same wavelength. And Fletcher goes back, starts to process what he's doing. And the whole ensemble goes well. And then as the song's about to end is when Andrew takes it on himself to go on this incredible drum solo. And then it ends with this, like, close-eye shot of Fletcher, like, raising his eyebrows. And then it just ends on this downbeat. Yeah. And Caravan or Whiplash plays for the credits. So that's, in that, that's the end right there. So what's next, Joel? Um... What did you think after watching the film, Joe? If it wasn't 10 o'clock p.m., I'd watch it again. But I had to work the next day, so it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and now... <laughs> well, hold on. I'm going to go first. Oh, okay. I'm going to let JC go. because <laughs> you, you don't want to end with your comments? No. Well, because every other time, I'm the one that just, like, pours his guts out on what you think. What did you think after watching the film? Joe's like, I think it was done very well. JC's like, I liked it. And I'm like, let me tell you my feelings. Yeah. And so this time I was like, I'm going to keep it short. I say, it still pulls me in every time, and I see a little something different. That's a really cop-out thing to say, because you see something different with every movie you watch. But this is one, I loved watching this movie again and finding, being able to build on the tactics that Fletcher uses to try to push Neiman, Neiman to where he wants to be. JC, what did you think after watching it for the first time this week? Now, uh, before you get started, I want to say... Obviously, our listeners have heard, just in our voices, Joel and I love this movie. But that does not mean this movie is for everybody. <laughs> and JC has a very, very legitimate opinion here, as I've read what you wrote. And I, I can't wait to you just expound on it. So go for it. So this movie is a conundrum for me. Everybody loves it. It won a ton of awards. I don't hate it. I really don't hate it, but I also don't like it. Joe is going to say it's because it isn't a happy movie, and maybe that's right. But it's still confusing to me. This movie hits me in my personality because I have a personality that when people scream at me the same way Fletcher did, I've had that in my life. I've had coaches that scream at me. I've had a band director. I actually played the trumpet in a concert band and a jazz band. And when I was watching this, I genuinely remembered horrible jazz band rehearsals while watching this movie. We met super early before school would start. We'd have to be there like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And he would be so pissed when we all played wrong. I mean, he didn't swear. He didn't curse at us because it was public school. He couldn't do that. But he was pissed, and he would also single people out. And I was one of the people he would rip on. And he flat out told me why he ripped on me, because he wanted me to be first chair. He is literally one of those situations where he sees talent in you, and he is trying to push you. But if I, I'm being completely honest, I didn't practice as much as I should. I was worried about other things, so I just played when I played. And I was second chair, and there was a younger student. I can't remember if he was a freshman or if he was a sophomore, but he was younger than me. And he was first chair, and he was he was better than me. But I remember my director being so pissed because I wasn't. And according to Fletcher then, I'm clearly not meant for greatness because I wasn't pushing myself. So is that the message? Is that what I'm supposed to get from this movie? We can only be great. We can only be a prodigy. If we have somebody screaming and forcing us to go further than we can, and is that a, then here is my own hypocrite argument to it. I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. I'm a father. It literally is my job to make people do more than what they're able, to take them farther than they think they can go. So what's the lesson for me from this film? I feel like everyone is celebrating this movie 
But what are they celebrating? The fact that participation should no longer count? I completely agree with that. Only effort should be rewarded. But there are people in this movie genuinely busting their asses. So is the lesson you bust your ass, find out you're still not worth shit, and so quit and move on? Like, what exactly am I supposed to celebrate? So that's literally after watching this movie, I sat on my couch wondering, what the fuck? That that's where my mind was at after this. Mine mine took a little bit of time to watch it again. I watched it a few times. And yeah, and so... I I watched it a second time. I watched it again last night, and I I still at the end of last night, I'm like, I I get what the movie's trying to do. I just don't get the lesson. So I don't get what I'm supposed to take from it. And I was that was the first time I watched it because I looked up. I was like, what was like. Like, what's the purpose? Okay? <laughs> I almost did that. I, and I almost, I almost typed, what the fuck was the point of Whiplash? I didn't, but it's funny that you say that because I almost did that. And so what I think the purpose of it is, it's not to teach a lesson. It's more to ask a question. And it is, it's your brain going back and forth being like, the entire movie, you know what Fletcher's doing is wrong. But at the end of the movie, as it wrong gets, as it is, it gets the result that it you gets want the to... result. So it's like this yeah. back and forth of like, no, what you did was wrong, and so you're almost like left me like, did, like because at the end when it's like closing in on his eyes, like, is he un- is he like finally right there saying, yes, and this is why. But you literally just touched on my problem. You say it wasn't trying to teach a lesson; it was trying to get us to ask a question. But in the statement we just said, we just said he got the results he wanted. And I, but it's this, not trying this, to, pr- it's not trying to promote that. It's saying oh, like the, in yeah. this one scenario, it's like it, you're leaving saying crap. The villain got away. It's like the end of Batman. It's not a happy ending. Yes, that is a good so, way of putting. It does feel like the villain got away. That's and, that, a, that's and I a think very that's what they're going it. with. And yeah. so the entire time you're like, but no, 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 no. Like he got, he got removed, which is what you want the whole time. He got humbled, which is what you want the entire time. And then at the end. There's the Joker card, and you're like, but he was now he got what he wanted, and so to me it's not a and it's trying to prove a lesson. Well. It's and, just but, like a but Joe dang knew it. that as soon as I said, oh, I don't know, Joe knew, like, and it was because it's a happy ending. But I, I almost feel like that's too it's too general. But, it's, but too general. it's too general, and it's just yeah, I hate that Fletcher got his way, but, but I'm same, also thrilled that he got his way because Andrew said. You to Fletcher, which is the best scene, one of the I best know, scenes of the movie. I know. When he's drumming, he mouths just the "fu" to I, Fletcher, and it's phenomenal. And that's a great. And I remember feeling uplifted. So again, this movie is a conundrum. Yeah, there were parts I loved, and there were parts I don't ever want to watch them again. Yeah, what is it? Like the, I uh, never want to see them again. Is it Starburst? It's like the contradiction. Like the commercials, are like it's a contradiction. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. It's, and so it's something in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. I know what and you're so saying. And so I yeah. watched this thing, and like this is a great ending because Neiman wins. Naaman wins. But, but then, does he? But then, well, the, I'm saying the first oh, time sorry, I watched it. I'm sorry. I apologize. Naaman was like, he won. Like, he got he got back at Fletcher, and he got the upper hand. But then when I read about it, I was like, oh, crap. So he gets his what? So Naaman wins, but at the same time, like, Fletcher is, told you so. Because wasn't, and maybe I got this wrong, isn't the last shot of the movie Fletcher like you see his eyes, you see his nose, and then you see his lips start no. to curl up, and it goes to director. No, the last, the last scene I'm pretty sure is it's him drumming and it's is a symbol. But he hits the symbol. Oh, you're, the, the, the lead ju- up to that. Then just before that, There's you see his between. eyes, yeah. you see his nose, and you, you, see you literally see the corners of his lips or his his lips start to curl up. Yeah, and then that's it. Yeah. So yeah, 
I love I love that it's like both, and so you still leave thinking like, did it? Did it? Yeah. It doesn't give you an answer, but um, let's play Joe's game. Did the awards get it right? This was I like this year for the Academy Awards. Maybe it's because I had wasn't paying rent, and so I had disposable income to where I could go out and buy these brand new movies. Um, I've seen most of these. <laughs> did the Academy Awards get it right? And surprisingly, everyone take a sip. I have seen most of these too. Hey, um, the Academy I've only Awards. Seen I've seen half two, of these. I've only seen. Well, now I've seen three of these movies. Um, the Academy Award for Best Actually, Picture. I've seen all of these movies now. Yeah. Went to Best Picture went to Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Uh, up against it was American Sniper, Boyhood, Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Selma. The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Did they get it right? I, don't, I haven't seen Birdman, so I, I, I don't know. Birdman is a fine film. American Sniper was capitalizing on a great moment. It was right capitalizing on, on a moment, but it was a really was a good, good movie. movie. Boy, I don't know if it was the best, but it was a good movie. Boy, Boyhood was a unique way to make a film. It was, that was the one that was filmed over like seven or ten years or whatever it was. Oh, okay. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, you know. I love that we, movie. Oh, do we give Ty, uh, Anderson another award? Yeah, you uh, should. It was funny. He's really funny. <laughs> if you enjoy quirky humor, that's your man right there. Uh, Imitation Game, nobody it's, saw it, and that was with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, that's such a good movie, though. Selma, that was a really good Selma movie. Uh, could not catch. First of all, the year before, that you, was, had, that the year before the- you had 12 Years a Slave. That's it. Yeah, so unfortunately, that that took the back seat there. Theory of everything I thought no was overrated. Uh, Whiplash, I can't give it. I, I can't only because I'm I, I have a very strong bias to that movie that I can't judge it correctly. So I can't do that because there are certain things that I get out of this movie that I'm sure other people aren't getting, but I have my own psychology with this movie, so I I can't. Say it. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good films here. I I wonder if is the Academy Award for Best Picture now just going with most unique? Because I don't think that they're giving it to the best movie. I think think here's the problem. When you say best of something, there are so many different qualifiers to what the best is. Yeah, and I don't know. Best Picture Bird. Okay, so I own Birdman. Yeah, American. I own American Sniper. I own Grand Budapest Hotel, and I own Whiplash. Mm -hmm. I've seen all of them. The only one that I have intentionally watched over and over and over again is Whiplash. Yeah, Birdman was unique. It was cool. American Sniper is a great movie, and I would almost put that up at the top two. I can't speak on Boyhood, Imitation Game, or Selma, or The Theory of Everything. Grand Budapest Hotel, actually, I've watched over and over again because it's funny, but I don't think it was Best Picture. Yeah. I think it was very beautifully done, and they, they earned their awards for that. Mm-hmm. They earned their editing and their costumes or whatever it is they won for, but... There's something about Whiplash. I rented it on Redbox, watched it, and then went out and bought it the next day so that I could give it to my dad. Yeah. And say, you need to watch this. And maybe it's a, and maybe we all have like a different dynamic and idea to it. But honestly, I think everyone else kind of does too because everyone else has gone to school. Everyone else has had a challenging teacher. And if not, then they played sports. Yeah. And they were challenged there. Everyone's, everyone has had this. And if they didn't, then they got to, in the, the, extra layer that we have on it is that we're teachers and so there's the dynamic of where's the line and i mean obviously this film goes way over the line but we'll we'll talk about it later uh best supporting actor jk simmons won for this he was up against robert duvall in the judge ethan hawk in boyhood edward norton in birdman mark ruffalo and foxcatcher no one else should have won this one it was jk 
he does a great performance. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah, you, you can not like a performance, but it doesn't mean the actor didn't do his job, and J.K. did very well. Uh, screenplay. The Imitation Game won uh, against American Sniper, Inherent Vice, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Imitation Game. I love that movie. I never saw it. I think it's, it's, it's a it. great movie. It's yeah. so good. I like Whiplash, but Imitation Game, for some reason, just I, I, as a screen, the way that it's written, it's more believable because it just... People, I think more people can relate to it. Yeah. So, um, best sa- it won for best sound mixing against American Sniper, Birdman, Interstellar, and Unbroken. This I, movie is sound. On, uh, yeah, honestly, <laughs> the only other one I can think of on here that I would put it up against is Interstellar. Uh, whip, whiplash, the way that they just, they have to match every beat, every symbol to what you're seeing on the screen. If, and the way that they're playing the 330 beats per minute, you can't f*** this up. People will see it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, which goes to our next one, which it won. Best film editing for yeah. Whiplash. And yeah. So, I mean, it won best film editing, best sound mixing. It won best supporting actor. Mm. And obviously, isn't this the, is this pretty much the same thing? Best supporting performance? That was for the, that's for the Golden Globes. Though. Okay, Golden Globe. Play, so it won Best supporting too. performance, yeah. J.K. Simmons won for that also. He, he killed this. I mean, I watched the Oscars, and then while watching this, I was like, I need to see this movie. And he, I think he earned this full on. Um, so what worked well in this movie for you? Were there any favorite parts, Joe? The camera work that follows the musical beats, I loved it. And I like the fact that you can feel the music. I, I like the fact that they, the, all of the jazz in this, I think I talked to you last night, is accessible jazz to the modern audience. It's not what you'd hear at a, a trio in a lounge where you can, some people just don't understand. I know I don't understand jazz to that level. But if I hear this, I can tap my foot to it. I get it. And I think that was a really smart move to do that. Uh, I, I really appreciate the sadistic nature of Simmons in this. Um, there were a few moments that hit way too close to home. Um, the arrogance of the musician and the drive obsession to perfect something that cannot be made perfect, I completely get that. Um, and it's, it's something that I deal with on a daily basis uh, when it comes to my music stuff. I... I I have a whole history, which I'll get into later on, because normally JC has a great story that goes with some of the movies, and I got yeah. one also. So good. Um, but that's it, Joel. I'm sorry, JC. JC. Here's what I liked. I liked the speech at the table when Fletcher and Andrew meet in the bar after Fletcher's been fired. That is a great talk. Everything he said is right. I agree with everything. I can't argue with him. Uh, the drum playing was amazing. The cue that Andrew gives <sighs> while he's doing it is awesome. But right after that, Fletcher smiles, and I hate that. I just hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just love J.K. Simmons, because now after watching this movie, I will watch anything that has J.K. Simmons in it. Anything. What? I like the math. After Spider-Man, I was all in. Yeah, well, I, see, I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't process that that was him until this. Well, yeah. Because I wasn't watching Spider-Man for J.K. Simmons. I was watching it for the others. Parker! Um, Parker. <laughs> But I mean, maybe that's just his shtick, as he just yells. Yeah, I mean, he's got a good voice for it. We but, are, but farmers. he's also he's <laughs> phenomenal <laughs> in the Lady Killers. If you've seen yep. that by Coen Brothers, yep. like, with his uh, woman Mountain, and he's like <laughs> his his response to ever if he's he's the pyro, and when he's ever asked to do anything, he's like, yep, yep, absolutely, easiest thing in the world, and he just does it, and he's yeah. just plays a perfect role, and he can hit so many dynamics. I mean, he's the farmer's commercial guy. <laughs> he can do commercials, he can do drama, he can do comedy. But so the best thing is for me in this movie are his one-liners that you're not to laugh at, but you do. Like when the when he kicks the guy out of his ensemble, he's like, 
what are you looking at the ground? There's not a fucking Mars bar down there. Look at me in the eyes. Were you or were you not out of tune? And when <laughs> they're about to go off the stage and he gives his sheet music, he's like, he's like, get out of my room. I can still fucking see you, Minnie Me. <laughs> and he see, like, that, see, that one I can see is a lighthearted moment. Yeah. That moment. But I think showing the humor in this movie, like all those lines that we would normally laugh at, nobody was laughing at in the theater because it's one of those moments where you see a joke being made by someone in a way that they find it hysterical, but it's uneasy. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that no one's laughing at these jokes, the, the, the film's done its job. Yeah. And um, my favorite scene, other than the ending FU, is where is the were you rushing or were you dragging Ugh. in the I'm upset scene. And this scene in general, I was like, this is what won him the Oscar. Yeah. Like the just the very, I mean, because all of us, or maybe I'm just the bad one. <laughs> I've I've been in a cl- I've this year this week I was in a class I was like all right uh get out you know get out your planners and write down your homework and like someone walks to the door I'm like what what are you doing mm-hmm. you said to leave outside I was like at what point at what point did I say go to the door yeah. did you like and like I just want to be like in my mind and sit of down course, mini me the, the the difference is that it's in my mind that I don't say it I just just be like. But did, did you, you heard me, like, you heard, actually, I have been like, but you heard me, right? Just, like, clarify, like, you heard me. Okay. Okay. Or you didn't, so maybe it's a processing thing I need to learn how to, like, present in a different way. But everyone on my mind were like, but, but we said it, right? But you heard it. I, I, I spoke English. You speak, you speak English, don't you? Okay, so, like, if, if there's any other way for me to communicate this information to you, please let me know. But as far as I know, I speak English, you speak English. Write your homework down. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what's going on. <laughs> And so, like, I love, like, this aspect of, like, he says everything that every frustrated teacher wants to say, but the problem is he says it. And, (laughs) I mean, I even, I worked, and there's a coach that I, like, when I was younger, I went to his camps, and then when I was in college, I worked for him. Yeah. And you get to see him in this public persona, and my favorite, and, I mean, the part that hit super home to me is when, like, I would be at camps, and he'd be like, he's like, oh, you keep playing, and. Like maybe you'll play for us one day. And so when Fletcher's in the hallway, he's talking to that little girl. He's like, oh, you want to be in my ensemble? He like gets down, and he like hugs the little girl, and he shakes hands. And he, when he walks through that door, that persona changes. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to see a baseball coach as a child, like a hero. That in, But again, and this guy is not Fletcher. I got hurt at one of the camps, and he took care of me, and he sent me like, a, like one of the team issue bags. I was 12 years old. It's to be a team issue bag full of like the team's gear with a note saying, I hope you feel better. We're so sorry this happened. All this. And I mean, took care of me through college. But when you're a kid and you see that and then you work for him and you're doing the in and out drills and you have to have everything set up. I mean, their patience is low because they have a vision and they have something that they want to accomplish. And you don't always get the pleases and thank yous that you want. Yeah. Now, in my case, in the end, I did still amazing guy. But his he ruffles feathers, and that's what some coaches do. So I've watched this again, maybe with a different, little bit of a different light. But honestly, like mine is like I was held to a very like high standard. Yeah, he treated me well, but at the same time, I was like, man, if he didn't push me, then I wouldn't be who I am now. I wouldn't have like the no excuses mindset that I have. And I'm like, no, you like you get it done, even though I turn my reports in a week late. Um, <laughs> but what did not work in this movie for you, Joe? Um, honestly, for me, nothing. This movie has no holes. Uh, it's near perfect in my eyes. That's all I can say about it. JC, go for it. Is bullying the answer? 
is that how I get the results I want? The movie is so filled with yelling, and I've had enough yelling in my life, so all the yelling doesn't work for me. And that's most of the movie. I'm also upset to find out the entire basis for why he treats the students the way he does. The Charlie Parker story is a lie in real life. But then Fletcher lies to get what he wants, a la Sean Casey. He tells somebody something that when you dig through it, it find out it didn't actually happen. So I get why they did it that way. But I don't like, and I don't feel like that's being too nitpicky because the flow of the movie is based on a story that didn't actually happen. And so those are those are my parts. But when the entire movie is yelling and I don't like the yelling, ah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, just spent, he spends the entire movie promoting his image yeah. that is not true to who he is. Yeah. And that, I don't know, that highlights that aspect of it for me. I want answers to who took the binder during the competition. And so I love that you said Fletcher. And so now I'm trying to think like, I do. I think Fletcher took it. I thought that the first time I saw it, I'm like, Fletcher took it. Like that's the only, that's the only thing that I can think of right now is like, I want to know who took the binder and it makes sense for Fletcher. Otherwise, why have it in there? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what I, I don't know. It's the, he wants to have success. He just, he wants to push him to success. He just doesn't know the right way to go about it. Um, but who is the audience for this movie, Joe? People who want to see the movie that this Damien Chazelle guy did before La La Land. Uh, <laughs> this literally was the movie right before it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And music students can appreciate this, and I think film buffs who have ever had to deal with musical stuff in their movies uh, can appreciate this. And Damien Chazelle is a music guy. He went to music conservatories. Yeah. 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 JC? Music people, I think they're the ones that can relate. Um, my yeah, I, that's who the audience is—is is music people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a person that wants to watch a movie that will like make you think a lot, yeah, and it'll make you think about your every everyone has something in their life to where they can like attach themselves, and I think that's what this movie does really well. Um, I honestly think teachers need to watch this, and teachers need to watch this, know their boundaries. And understand how sometimes we need to verbalize expectations and also have realistic expectations to students and not blow up when they don't meet our perfect expectation and what we envision perfectly in our minds. All right. Cool. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, movie report card. A, B, C, D, or F. You know, they skip E. And they we do. Had, we had a conversation about that this week at the e lunch table. E is for exceptional. My <laughs> students also had a conversation. They were angry. They're like, Mr. Hayden, why don't we do use E? I'm like, uh, I don't know. So you want me to give you E? And then, uh, we were talking about it. I was like, what does E stand for? I was like, eh. See, see <laughs> in, my school, eh. in my school district up, uh, up in Michigan, there was no F. It was an E. I love that. Yeah. That is pretty cool. They, they were it like, makes sense. Yeah. How ironic is and it the, the for ration- school to skip a letter? The rationale behind it was the reason they started using the word F is for fail. Yeah. If you're going to do things, but if, what does that mean? Everything else doesn't get a, a word associated with it. So they're like, we'll just do A, B, C, D, E. It's a level. You understand it. Moving yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, man. Joe, movie report card. All right. Um, I give it an A. And I give it an A because this movie does something that's very difficult to do. And that is it externalizes the internal so everybody can understand. That is if point. you've ever yeah, had a like teacher that. who is hard on you, you can relate to this because although it was never to that extreme, it felt that extreme. And in order for Damien Chazelle to get that point across, he had to show extreme externally for the, your average audience to go, wow. 
because that's how you feel on the inside. Even if it's something, just a, a, a brash comment here or there, it can feel like someone yelling at you. Um, I started playing music when I was three. My parents put an instrument in my hands and said, go for it. I was good at it. Um, I took a lot of verbal abuse growing up because of it. My parents were ridiculously hard on me. I had a lot of private teachers who were very, very, very hard on me. And as a sensitive kid growing up, that's just the wrong combination. Started getting competitions in middle school and obsessing, 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 obsessing. And then when I got to high school, I remember I was a principal chair in the orchestra and I was a junior. And this freshman came in and took my chair after an audition. And rather than just say, I don't care, I went home and I finally practiced because I was a natural at the violin. I finally practiced and I obsessed over it. My parents were surprised. They were like, we never saw you practice more in our lives because I was damned if that kid was ever going to do that again. And I came in during a soccer practice uh, in, my, in, in my soccer clothing to do the auditions because they took place after school. And I came in, and I remember our conductor, uh, Miss Palmieri, she was like, okay, uh, Sarah, you want to go? I was like, yeah, I'll go right now because I got to go to soccer practice. And I pulled my violin out, and I had memorized the piece all the way through. No sheet music, no nothing. And I just blasted it out of the water. And then I looked at the kid, and I said, you're up, punk. And I left. I got the chair, and I knocked him down five chairs. I don't feel good about it. <laughs> um, but at the time, it was satisfying because it was me, 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 me. Turn my pages, Johnny Utah. Um, and then when I, when I started applying to colleges, I happened to have a, a private teacher who would just belittle me nonstop and made me do a recording that was a piece of shit to audition with for other colleges. And we sitting in his basement, and we sat down there for six hours as we recorded this thing. And it's one of the more traumatic moments of my life, I know that. Uh, but getting to the colleges and seeing what they were like there, it was not the role. It was not for me. I, I couldn't deal with it. I had already been broken mentally at that point uh, with the instrument. And to this day, I can't pick up the violin without shaking. I have a massive psychology issue with it. Um, so much so that my, I gave it up after my freshman year. And my brother did some missionary work. He was coming back after about two years. And my mother asked me to pick it up and play at his welcome ceremony at the church. And I tried, and I had to do seven weeks of hypnotherapy just to get through the entire situation. But I remember going up, I remember going to the church. I had my buddy come with me. And uh, it was time for me to play. And I stood up. I remember walking up there. And I, then I, I, I don't remember anything else. I just remember sitting, my buddy waking me up and I was sitting. I blacked out basically up there playing. And I was sweating profusely. Uh, but my buddy Andy was sitting there. He was like, dude, that was amazing. And I was like, I don't even know what the hell just happened. I have no idea. Uh, but I don't know the way that I re I re I write my own music now on the side. It's fun for me because I'm in control of it. Mm -hmm. I can judge it, but you guys can make a point when you first came over a couple of times or you saw the, the songs on my wall that I, one of them is one that I have rewritten over 35 times and it's the white whale for me. It, it constantly is being changed because I'm never happy with it. And it's, Every, I, my, it's, it's a fine song. It's just one that I can't stop trying to perfect. And when I watch Andrew in this, I sit there and I go, God damn, I know exactly what this kid is going through. And that's why it's hard for me to judge this movie properly because it hits way 
too close to home for me. I want to, because of that, although I'm giving this an A, I don't think that that A is a proper judgment, and I'm going to leave this to you two to put this in a pantheon. So if it happens, it happens. If not, it's not. But that's what the movie means to me. JC, you're up. I'm kind of impressed because the reasons I don't like this movie are for the whole reasons you just described. Yeah. Granted, I didn't go through any of that. I just played for a little podunk band. Yeah. Um, but then you do that and you give it an A. And I am literally sitting here confused because I do not agree with anything the two of you have said. I don't. That's okay. Which part? Like, <laughs> like, like what you guys have said is good about the movie. Because you yeah. guys really haven't said things that you don't like about the movie. You really haven't. Everything that you've said that you like about the movie, I get it. I don't, how the, I don't like the way that it makes me feel every time that I watch this. The, I, I don't feel happy. But not, at the I same time, that's not the message. if the movie makes me feel that way, the movie's making me feel something. It is. So. And, 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 and Joel, Joel has said over and over, like, that's not the message. The problem is, is I can't get past... I, I and the more I think about, it, the more I think of it. What I take away from this is bullying one, and I, I'm not saying that's right. It's just in my head. I take away the bullying one, and that doesn't work for me. And I love I'm uh, the the thing that damns me on this movie in terms of I instantly want to say this is a, a C or a D or something like that, just b- based on my pure feelings. It's that damn conversation he has with him at the table mm-hmm. because i can't disagree with that i'm tired of participation trophies i'm tired of people realizing good like he he uses a phrase the two worst words in the english language right now are good job yeah. and part of that is right because when we constantly hear you're doing good and you're doing great then we don't achieve for something better but on the flip side when you never hear you're doing a good job what the fuck is the point in trying then? Like, and that's me. Like, I'm not going to put forth effort if I already know I'm going to fail before I start. But then is that the whole, like, it hits close to home in that for me. It's the obsessive personality yeah. that sometimes people can't relate to because it's not that avenue for them. No, it's not. Like, maybe your obsession is something else that you just keep trying at you know it's not that area it's something else yeah exactly correct um and my bigger problem with the report card is do i report this on what the movie is or do i report it on what the movie makes me feel because if i report on how the movie makes me feel it's gonna be a low grade but if i report it on actually how the movie was shot how the movie was acted it's a good movie, but then I'm conflicted because to give this an A, that puts it in the Pantheon, and the Pantheon for us is like, these are the greatest movies ever, and I'm just like, am I putting, and this is my opinion solely, am I putting bullying on a pedestal? And it's, I, I, boy, that doesn't sit well with me. Even if that's not supposed to be the message, I get that. I completely understand that, and I'm sure people will say that's not what the movie's trying to convey. The problem is, is that's what I'm taking from the movie. Can I can I help try to simplify what we got here? Sure. Okay. The movie report card. And maybe that's maybe I just need a refresher on what what is the the movie report card is like the Academy Awards and the (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) and the would you buy it Bennett stream it is like the Golden Globes. Yeah. You know, one is 
in achievement. The other one is popularity. Then in that vein... Does, it, does that help? It does. In okay. that vein, I'm going to give it an A-. minus. Now, I'm not being petty in that I'm keeping it from the A. I'm honestly giving it for the, the A- minus because of the yelling. Like, I, I get that maybe some, some scenes needed it. Every single fucking scene has yelling and screaming in it. And if it's and, not yelling, screaming, it's like quiet. Like and, nothing. and it's and that 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 doesn't sit well with me. It's like I got it. I get that you maybe needed some scenes for it, but the fact that you needed to put it everywhere, every fucking place. I I don't know. That's that's my one hiccup, and so for that I got to do an A minus. And if that's being nitpicky, I get all of that. That's just me being nitpicky, but yeah, that and yeah, that's how I feel. Joel, I give it an A. <laughs> and I knew that. That's why I, the reason, because I would be the one to keep it out of the pantheon, and I feel bad about that. But it's just, in uh, terms of my feelings, I can't give it an A. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my my thought is just like with the let's see the pantheon ones I was here for, like Pretty Woman. We talked about like, yeah, it was a great movie. I wasn't here for Interstellar or Goodfellas. Um, we don't have any dramas in there yet, do well, we? No, but like Deadpool, we laughed. Caddyshack, we laughed. But this is one that what the movie did was just like opened up conversation and it it didn't send a message. It just communicated the way people are. And like that's maybe that's what I like about the movie is like I don't need to take I'm not taking a message away from this. Right. What this movie <laughs> did was help me to evaluate myself and that is a evaluate the world statement. around me. That so is like, a very good statement. And so that's my like. I don't think there is a message to this movie. I don't think that there's a lesson to be learned. I think this is a, you watch this and it's like, look at yourself. And so like, what is this? How does this make you feel? Not like, how does it make you feel? I mean, well, it could be in some degree, like everyone can relate to this. And so there's never been a movie that I think about more regularly that keeps me in line more and is also makes me think about, okay, well, I hated that way the thing, this thing was done, I was like, but this, but it was the wrong way to go about it. But it got the but result. But this worked. But here's yeah. where it didn't work. And so it's just, I love this because it. I watched it two years ago, and I'm still thinking about, like, how it affects me. And, I mean, I think about it, regu- like, on every week, probably in the classroom. Like, did I, did I reach Fletcher? Nope. nope. I'm good. I'm not Fletchering yet. <laughs> not Fletcher. <laughs> And, that's, but that's funny that you say that because you're almost using it as a tool to better yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think about this ever again. Yeah, this is actually one of those movies where there are movies that you've watched in your life and then you forget about them. Like I want to forget this. Mm-hmm. I actually want to forget that wow. I watched this. Jeez. And not uh, because but, not but, because yeah. it's a bad movie, but because right. of the way it made you feel. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. It's I do. I watched it twice, and both times I did not like how I felt afterwards. Yeah. I really didn't. It is not a bad movie. J.K. deserved the 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 Academy Award. I completely agree. The 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 panning shots of the music and and especially at the end when you're on oh, J.K. and then on Miles and then on oh, J.K. like yeah. that was like it was in time with the beat. That was cool. Yeah, it was an amazingly made movie. I just hate how it makes me feel. 
Yeah. And maybe that's maybe that's my gut is I'm always going to go back to how a movie makes me feel. And maybe that typecasts me or maybe it instantly allows people to get a view of how I'm going to be on a movie. But that's then maybe that's my shtick. And I'm well, okay with that. Well, we've all got movies like yeah, that, though. Yeah. Like, that's why I won't watch Casino. I won't. I probably will never watch Casino. I will never watch Clockwork Orange because I've, I've never watched Clockwork Orange because I've read the book mm-hmm. and I've seen enough of the movie that I'm like, I don't need to watch. I agree with you on that. Like, I won't watch Clockwork Orange. Because I, s- I saw part of Casino when I was younger, the part where like with the baseball bat and the bearing alive. I don't think and I've ever seen Casino because, yeah, I'm not sure. I watched it at a young age. I was like, I like it stuck with me for days and I didn't even see the whole movie. It was just like that one scene because someone put it out on Facebook. They're like, this is the best scene ever. I was like, OK, challenge. Accepted. Think of it. Goodfellas in Las Vegas. Yeah, okay. it's pretty much like same cast too, right? Essentially, uh, De Niro's, uh, Pesci, Pesci, and a bunch of other people that were bit parts in Goodfellas. So yeah, yeah. so like, <laughs> like the realistic aspect of like that's part of their life. I was like, I hate that. Like, I hate that people live this way. I hate that people think that this is like okay, okay, or yeah, that this is fruitful and that, yeah. And so I hate it. But the but is the weird... film good? Yeah, exactly. But it's like well, I'm yeah. sure it's a great film. And so, but it's weird because I find myself like reading. Books like I heard you paint houses, and so I'll probably watch that movie. But now that I'm older, and I guess I can, it's easier to swallow. But when I was younger, I was like, no, I I hate this. But it also like made me dive more into like learning about that underground world of organized crime. Yeah, yeah. Um, but is this if this movie was released on Blu-ray, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it? I buy it. Buy it. Borrow it. I red boxed it. And then the next day, bought it yeah. on Blu-ray and digital copy. I, I knew you were going to pick Forget About It because I think I think you agree. No, it's no. A movie, it. It's said, a movie that's interesting to see. That, well, and you're right because I did just say I want to forget it. it yeah. I am a better. It is good that I watched it. Yeah. It is good that I watched it. And so when I say forget about it, that means do not watch it at all. Maybe this is one of the movies you need to watch once. Kind of like Passion of the Christ. Like, you got to watch it once. You watch you, it one time and you're good. But, but that's it. Then then you're good. It's kind of like you have to see the Mona Lisa at one point. Exactly. So <laughs> so for me, it's borrow it because I've seen it. I've actually seen it twice. And I, I want to watch. And that's the other thing. I want to watch Operation Dumbo Drop. If it was that bad. <laughs> if, it, if, it was, if it was a bad movie, there's no way you would have given it a second watch. No, that's so. true. And it made you feel the exact same thing again. Sometimes you get that emotional uh, degrading over time where it doesn't hit you the same way it hit you, but it hit you twice the exact same way. Yeah. Well, that's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at MoviePlanetPod, and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and SoundJ Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching.